All right. Episode two of The Meaning. Um, this is for everyone who didn't uh, listen to the first episode. This is an interpretation podcast in which we look at books, music, and other forms of art and attempt to find a greater overarching meaning across all of them um, through kind of a uh, psychoanalytic interpretation approach. So what we're doing this uh, segment or season, whatever you want to call it, is Alice in Wonderland, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. So first episode, if you want to go back and listen to that, I just got to say apologies up front. I thought so I'm terrible with technology and figuring out and quite frankly, I don't really even want to spend the time to try and figure it out. I'd rather just record the podcast, but I'm using right now I'm using Anchor, which you might be listening to the podcast on or you could be using Spotify as well, but I I thought that I could edit the podcast, but it turns out like when I go in and try and do it, I don't know, it's so hard. I'm going to try and do it on my computer. I'll see what I can do after this episode, but in the first podcast there may be some moments where it sounds like there's a pause that is way too long. Um, and I'm just shuffling around for stuff and that might happen again today, but you gotta, you gotta bear with me on that. Um, I don't even know if very many people are going to be listening to this, but, um, what's cool is that I'm a writer. If you haven't, if you never knew that and what this is going to do for me is help me dissect some of the greatest literary works and learn what they have to offer and um that's definitely going to help me when it comes to my own writing and it might it might actually help you as well if if you uh if you're down for that type of learning so which may which arguably is the best type of learning but all right so the first episode we it was kind of an introduction to um, brief introduction to the podcast and then an introduction to the book Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Uh, we went over the, the themes, motifs and symbols in the book and a little and talked a little bit about Lewis Carroll as well, who is a very strange fellow. Um, so Alice's Adventures in Wonderland was published in 1865, and kind of what I want to do is really just kind of jump into it. Um, the book that I have in front of me is the Barnes & Noble Classics edition. I love these books because Barnes & Noble usually does like a foreword and afterward that is uh, always like super good. This one is written by Tan Lin, and... And he's a writer, artist, and critic, author of two books of poetry. And uh, you want kind of a poet to dissect Alice's adventures in Wonderland because Carol, 
as as mentioned before, he uses this in the podcast before. He uses this weird. He has this weird way with language that comes likely from him being a logician. So um, he he likes to like play around with the fundamental aspects of logic, uh, and that is a, a common. Uh, motif throughout Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. But that's the copy I have. If you guys want to go grab it, it's a great copy. Barnes and Noble Classics Edition. And it actually has Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass as well. So if you want to do the second one, it, Through the Looking Glass, um, Alice's second story, then I would say just let me know and that would be awesome. Might end up doing it anyway. But I just like to jump in um, here. There's there's preface, um, and then there's Tan Lin in the introduction talks about um, the uh, the kind of great poems inside of <clears throat> great poems and riddles inside of uh, the book, and it, it starts with this very interesting one. It's a little long. I don't, I don't want to read all of it, but, um, there's, there's a rather long one. And then there's another one called Christmas greetings, uh, from fairy, from fairy to a child. And this one's really cool. I like this one and it's a little short. So I'll read this one. Um, Christmas greetings from a fairy to a child, lady, dear, if fairies may for a moment lay aside cunning tricks in elfish play tis at chris at happy christmas tide we have heard the children say gentle children whom we love long ago on christmas day came a message from above still as christmas tide comes round they remember it again echoes still the joyful sound peace on earth goodwill to men yet the hearts must childlike be where such heavenly guests abide unto children in their glee all the year is christmas tide thus forgetting tricks and play for a moment lady dear we would wish you if we may merry christmas glad new year christmas 1867 1867 what a long time ago um so that's cool. I like that poem. Makes me excited for Christmas. Um, and then you have the contents here. And kind of just dive in to the first chapter. Number one, down the rabbit hole. And this, that's so iconic in this day and age. Um, down the rabbit hole. Rabbits have been used to signify the beginning of a journey since the release of this book. If you look at the Matrix, Neo sees uh the rabbit on the screen before he um is able to kind of like break out of the matrix which are amazing movies unfortunately get worse as they go on but um it's rabbits have become this like iconic thing and like start to a journey um so down the rabbit hole chapter one so alice sits very drowsily by a riverbank she's bored by the book her older sister reads to her and out of nowhere as she's kind of dozing off a white rabbit runs past her 
and he's fretting that he'll he'll be late. He pulls out a watch from his waistcoat, uh, like a pocket watch, and runs across the field and disappears down a hole. And um, in the edition here, there's there's a drawing um, of the rabbit. And it's the first drawing of the book, and it's this pretty large rabbit. And he's got an umbrella in his arm. Um, he's standing on two legs. And he's got kind of like a coat, like a sports coat and like a button shirt underneath. The collar is very like nicely well done. And he has a nice pocket watch um, that he's checking and like looking worriedly at. And um, so she watches the rabbit disappear down the hole. And Alice impulsively follows the rabbit and tumbles down into the deep hole uh, falling slowly for a very very long time and as she floats down she notices that the sides of the well around her are covered with like cupboards and shelves and she plucks a marmalade jar from one of the shelves the jar is empty so alice sets it down on another shelf um with nothing else to do she kind of starts talking to herself wondering how far she's fallen and if she might fall right through all the way to the other side of the earth she's kind of questioning uh things um the the basic logic of things this is where it begins and she continues to speak aloud daydreaming about her cat uh dina in the in the midst of imagining a conversation the two of them might have she abruptly lands so in the midst of imagine, imagining a conversation with the cat, she lands abruptly, unhurt. And then she gets up and catches a brief sight of the rabbit, of the white rabbit, as he vanishes around the corner. So at this point in the book, um, you you haven't... You haven't been introduced to what's going to happen next, but there's a drawing on the uh, 16th page where Alice is, she's like, she looks like a child, but she's very, very large compared to her surroundings. And she holds a tiny key in her hand. She's pulling back a curtain and there's a tiny door. Um, so kind of stop there and break apart what all of that was. It, the story begins with Alice dozing off as her sister's reading to her, anticipating. Um, she kind of, so when you sit down to read, you kind of open your mind to strange and odd events and things that could happen in a book. And um, so Alice is like dozing off with this kind of open mind as her sister reads <clears throat> very like boringly. And um, she nods off into a dreamlike state in which she catches sight of a fully dressed white rabbit capable of speaking English, which is, you know, not something you come across every day. Even before she enters Wonderland, she experiences this strange phenomena of departing from the conventional rules of the real world. So immediately, Lewis Carroll establishes that this is not a place where things are going to happen 
as they do in the real world. It's not a book or a story like that. And so the plunge into the rabbit hole, the long, long plunge is said to have represented a deep sleep and her dreams create this kind of fully formed world um, as she falls that constantly shifts and transforms with this own weird logic that's unique to Alice. She does a math equation in the middle of her fall, which is very interesting and doesn't quite make sense as she's trying to figure out whether she will or will not go to the other side of the world. And the slow fall is like the shift into the dozing of deep sleep. You know how like when you're going into sleep and uh, like if you get waked up, if you get woken up at a point where you just fell asleep, it's not that bad to wake up. But if you're like deep in a good dream and someone wakes you up, you're mad. And it's like hard to wake up and do anything at that point. You just want to go back to sleep. But um, so this slow fall imitates the shift of dozing deeper and deeper into sleep, that REM state. And then she's beginning um, or uh, it's beginning with uh, Alice's idle daydreaming. And so it's still subtle, like the weird things are happening, but it's still very subtle and ending with her firmly placed at the end in the dream world. So that long fall is kind of like a gradual entry into the dream world and Alice slowly acclimates to the world. Um, But she doesn't let go of the established, like the established logic of the waking world yet. She still feels she is in the waking world, even despite everything that's happened. And she marvels after the fall with thinking like a fall from her at the top of her house her house would be nothing much less down the stairs like she she feels she can do anything now um even though this kind of upper third party narrator reminds us that both falls would still likely kill her so she we see in alice as said in the podcast before this is a story of kind of like self-development and leaving childhood and we see alice having these as soon as she sees herself do something she has these do something like successfully she has these crazy ideas of what she can now do and this third party narrator voice is used to kind of remind us that it would what she's dreaming of doing would still probably kill her. She, she, she's way over her head. It's like, it's like when you first get a car and go like 140 down the highway, like that's, that's, and you, you don't crash and you feel like you can still do anything. That's where Alice, Alice is at right now. All right. So the rest of the chapter Alice approaches a long corridor, um, and it's lined by doors. She tries a couple of the doors. They're locked. Um, She tries the rest. Those are also locked. And 
So Alice is looking for a key that she finds on a glass table. And after searching around, she discovers that the key didn't work for any of the doors, but it works for a small door behind a curtain. So this is when you find out, this is when that photo that you saw earlier matches the story. Um, And she tests the key for that door, finds out that that's the right key, uh, that's the right door. And oh, she opens it up and through the door is a garden. As said in the story before, this garden has been said to represent the Garden of Eden. But for me, I feel like it is more like the Garden of Chaos um, or like a chaotic domain of nature that she's going to walk into from this more formal place uh, that she once knew that is going to end up being flooded, you'll see. But, so, I I feel like she's being pushed into chaos when she sees this garden, which uh, in the garden symbolizes kind of um, nature. And, And we'll see its destructive forces later on. But... She tests the key to that door, finds out that it opens up, and she sees the garden. Since the door is way too small for her to enter and squeeze through, she goes back to the table, back to where she had found the key, uh, with the hope that she might find something there that would help her again. And lo and behold, a bottle is there marked, Drink Me. And so Alice drinks the bottle, and... Well, well, she doesn't drink it right away. She drinks it after inspecting it to be sure it doesn't say it's marked with poison. So she does this weird, like, naive thing where, like, she just looks to see if it says there's poison anywhere on the bottle. And she's like, oh, all right, I guess I'm good. Um, So she checks it like a child. And she immediately shrinks, though... Uh, she And though she can now fit through the door, she realizes that the key that she needed is on the tabletop way above her. And she just that's when she just kind of cries and scolds herself for crying, gets mad at herself for crying before um, she catches sight of this small cake with the words eat me underneath the table. And so Alice eats the cake with the hope that it'll change her size. Uh, but becomes disappointed when nothing happens after she eats the cake. So, this this weird this weird uh, play on like expectations expectations and um, values uh, of Alice that we are introduced to right away. Um, And this picture in the last part of the chapter is Alice standing before the table. uh, The key on the table in front of her, the bottle in hand with a very long tag that says drink me on it. And um, so, yeah, as far as this second portion of the chapter goes, she... So Alice has kind of ran away from the Victorian world. Her sister was also uh, left in. And because she felt kind of unfulfilled there, she 
but and she she dreams of something more her it's her mind gives her uh she's kind of occupying herself but she quickly discovers that what she's doing to occupy herself doesn't fulfill any of her desires either and wonderland at the very beginning like doesn't give her any of her expectations and uh the rabbit kind of represents the motif of frustrated desire right away uh he's he's running out of time always he can never get enough his antics inspire alice to follow him down the rabbit hole and into wonderland but he constantly stays one step ahead of her um uh she can see his feet kind of just leaving and uh she pursues after him out of pure curiosity but believes that catching him will give her like some new knowledge because nobody's ever seen a rabbit holding a pocket watch and like talking before so even when the outcome is unknown the act of chasing it implies that like a desired goal exists so we we have alice with the key to this small door and she can't enter it even though she wants to and her desire to enter into that garden represents uh has been said to represent feelings of nostalgia that accompany growing up i remember as a kid i've i always wanted to grow up like right away like i wanted i had an older brother too so i wanted to be like him and I wanted to just grow up, just go be on my, like, like always just do things on my own, do things as a grown up would do. And I was quick to leave childhood. And Carol, Carol dramatis- uh, uh, dramatizes this frustration that occurs with growing older as Alice finds herself either too small or too large to fit through the passageway into the garden. And. She she never fits into where she wants to be. So after drinking the potion, Alice shrinks and she can't reach the key on the table anymore. And she's finds herself in this like in this state of complete helplessness that comes with her exaggeratedly small size and represents kind of the insignificance of childhood. And this growth spurt caused by the cake uh, chapter two before that represents the awkward kind of bodily transformations that come with puberty and alice's growth allows her the means to fulfill her destiny but literally reminds her that she's growing away from the pleasures of childhood uh, and the idealized garden is now off limits to alice who can't i mean she can't even uh fit through the passageway an infant could travel back uh um so what's being said here is that uh alice is trying to retreat back into this uh safety and security of the womb as an infant would uh, and we'll see that she eventually gets there oddly enough in future episodes of the meeting but that was chapter one
so i'll be trying to record these as frequently as possible um, let me know if you have any thoughts any opinions on the interpretation um, and we'll uh, see you next time on the meaning